you have the word of the Lord with you today, if you turn to chapter 1 of Ephesians. Chapter 1 of Ephesians, we're going to be looking at verse 2 today. And that reads, A grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to be looking at this today. And as I was looking at this uh, yesterday, writing things down and, and, and getting it, uh, the message ready for today, um, I looked at that and I started looking at all of Paul's epistles. And starting at, at, I'm not going to read each and every one. I'm probably not going to read any of them. Uh, But I can make a copy of this later on, or you can just start with Romans. Look, Romans chapter 1, verse 7. It's pretty much the same thing. It talks about grace be to you in peace. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, pretty much the same thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2. Uh, Galatians chapter 1, verse 3. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. Colossians chapter 1, verse 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. Now I believe as I was looking at this, 2 Timothy, I am going to go look at 1 Timothy, ah, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. Because... There it's just a little bit different. So Paul in 1 Timothy, it's chapter 1, it's verse 2. And he says, Paul says, Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you go into 2 Timothy chapter 1, it's verse 2 there too. And it says, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's also in Titus chapter 1 verse 4, and it's in Philemon, it's chapter 1 in verse 3. So we can see that this is, this is very important, isn't it? It's very important for Paul, this grace and this peace. But if we look at it, where does this grace and where did this peace come from? It comes from who? God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So it, it's so awesome as we look at this and we see these things, where they come from, you know, grace and peace. So I looked up grace a little bit. Um, it's pretty much, it's, it's Strong's uh, 5485 is the word. And it says it's the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. And it is the free and undeserved love and favor of God. So that's the one we know. But it's, it's also that grace of God. It's, it's the divine influence upon our heart. And it's, the, and it's the reflection in our life as we go about so that when we're out and about, that, that people would, will be able to take, take note and see that we have been with God, don't they? 
And we have that wonderful grace of God. We're going to go through some verses a little bit later. We're going to look at grace and we're going to look at peace. Not a lot of verses, but enough to get us the understanding of what it is. Uh, if you have a Strong's Concordance, you can look it up yourself also. Look up grace and peace. There's, there's quite a few of them in, in each and every one. So I looked up the word peace. It's Strong's 1515. This occurs, this peace, 1515, occurs in each book of the New Testament except 1 John. Don't know why. So peace, it means one, being at one, being, having peace, quietness, rest, set at one again. I looked at some other things. I think this was maybe in vain. A harmonious relationship between men and others. Quietness in the church. The harmonized relationship between God and man accomplished through the gospel. And it's, you know, we're going to go, like I said, I don't want to get into any of the verses now to, to do this, but when we can look at it and we can see it, it, it's a quietness, that peace that we have with ourselves. And so this is another thing that came from Bain. So I looked at it and he says, there's no peace without grace. We have to have that grace of God first. And when we have that grace of God, we're going to see through some of the verses that we're going to go through that we can have peace. But if we don't have that grace of God, we can't have peace. The other thing he says, no peace or grace but from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like it says in all of these verses, in all of these, the Paul's epistles, we know we can't have peace or grace but from God the Father. God the Father, he's the one who gives us that grace and he gives us that peace. And from the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like what it says here in verse 2. Grace be to you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is putting it right exactly where it needs to be in the hands of God and in the hands of Jesus. Not in the hands of men. I can't give you an undeserved favor. That's only from God. And that peace that we have in our lives can only form from God our Father and from Jesus Christ our Lord. One other thing I wrote down here. The best saints need fresh supplies of grace and a desire to grow. You just can't have and rely, but you have to grow in the Lord all the time. You can't stay stagnant. You can't. If we stay stagnant, I remember Brother Zach, one thing he said that he feared so much is that God would put him on the shelf and not use him. We need to realize that with this, we have to grow. Grow in grace. Grow in grace, it says in the Bible, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we need to continue to grow. How do we grow? You know, it's like anything if you want a plant to grow. Susie's got a garden. Mabel's had plants. You know, you have, to, you have to take care of it, don't you? You have to water the garden. You maybe have to fertilize it a little bit to get it to grow. Without water, if you don't water it, sooner or later those plants are going to wither and die, aren't they? Same thing. You know, we need to 
have that living water that comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we can be fertilized by what? Reading his word. Reading his word, because this, this Bible is going to help us to grow, isn't it? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. But that, that word perfect there does not mean perfect, because there was only one that was perfect. That word perfect there translates out to mature. We need to be mature Christians. And in order to become mature Christians, we have to grow we have to we grow by reading the scriptures. We we grow. There's there's good books that are out there for us to read. This is how we continue to grow in the Lord all the time. We do know that if we if we stop reading the Bible, what happens? We get stagnant, don't we? That's when we that's when we really start getting stagnant when we stop reading the Bible. So we need to continue on in reading the scriptures all the day. I know my wife reads every morning. And I, I, I might not read in the morning, but I, but I read every, every night. I read. I have reading plans. I read the scriptures. I've got in my notes, in my, in my phone, where I'm at in each one. I kind of started cheating a little bit. I started reading through the Bible a couple of weeks ago, and I've finished Matthew, and I'm almost all the way through Genesis, trying to go back and forth and reading, reading the Bible through this year. So remember, we need that fresh supply of grace each and every day. And when we get that, we will have that peace that is with us all the times. Uh, turn to turn to Romans chapter eleven. Romans chapter eleven. We're going to work at look at verses five and six. Even so, then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So we look at this and we see that there is a remnant according to the election of grace, elected by that unmerited favor of God that chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He wrote our names in that Lamb's book of life. So he says at this present time, so back at that time, even, even now, uh, Bill, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a remnant according to the election of grace, even in the world in which we live today. I know some people say it's an evil and adulterous generation in which we live, but we know that God is with us even now in the world in which we live and the time in which we live. <clears throat> but look, look what it says. And if it's by grace, then it is no more of works. If we have been saved by grace, 
then it is no more. It's not of works, is it? It's not of free will. It's not of works. We know that our works are a fruit of the Spirit. But we know that um, our good works do not get us into heaven. It's the grace of God. It's that grace of God. So it says, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. So you see, if it's not of grace, then it's of works, isn't it? Because it goes on and says, but if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Now, we know where we, we, where we are. We believe in the doctrines of grace, don't we? So we know we believe in this. But there are people that do not believe the way we believe. And we need to pray for them, don't we? Like I say, we can increase your prayer life. There's a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of places that do not believe in grace. They believe in, in free will. They believe in works. They're works that will get them into heaven. So we need to, we need to remember these things. As we look at these things and we go through all of these things, that we can see it is that grace of God. That, that takes care of us all the time, isn't it? It's, it's, he's just so good unto us. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read verses 4 and 5, and then we're going to read 8 and 9. Right, let's just go 4 through 9. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together or made us alive together with Christ. By grace are ye saved, or by whose grace you're saved, Christ. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works or effort, lest any man should boast or glory in that. So, you know, Paul knew exactly what he was writing here. We can see in verse 4 when we talk about grace, but we look at here, but God who is rich in mercy... Remember in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he wrote grace, mercy, and peace. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. His great love with which he loved us. Us. He's talking about the children of God here. That he loved us even when we were dead in sins. He loved us even when we were dead in sins. And my wife knows that I was, I was not a very good kid as I was growing up. I did some things that I'm not proud of. But, you know, God looked beyond that. God saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. For such a long time, when I was dead in sins, but he loved me. He loved you. If you're a child of God, he loved you. And he continues to love you, even until today. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us. The word quickened means give life to. 
He gave us life together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. By whose grace we are saved. And he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Isn't that where we're going to be as a child of God? He's promised us a crown of righteousness that fadeth not away, doesn't he? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. I almost, I'm getting almost like verse 7, just as much as verse 8 and 9. That the Paul, the Apostle Paul, remember, what does he say in, verse, uh, in chapter 1, verse 1? It, that this epistle is to the saints which are at Ephesus. And remember, we talked about this. And to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So he knew that in the ages to come, there were going to be those that were going to be faithful in Christ Jesus. And he showed the exceeding riches of his grace by doing that. He didn't have a cutoff, did he? He didn't have a cutoff and say, okay, up to this time, it's it. After that, there's no more. But he continues on. Then in the ages to come, we don't know. It's been what, So It's been 2,000 years since Jesus Christ came into the world to die for our sins. So we don't know how many more ages are going to have to go on before he's going to come again. But what do we need to do? We need to remain faithful. Remember we're talking about the faithful in Christ. We need to be faithful and true to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in this world. Patiently waiting for his second coming. And he's looking at us and how, how are we in our lives today? Are we patiently waiting for him coming? We need to be patiently waiting. And that Jesus Christ, whenever he comes, he might come in our lifetime, he might not. That's why we need to pass it on to our children, right? Pass it on to our children so that they can pass it down. So it continue to go, go through all generations and the ages to come. That we know he's, he is going to show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. He's been so kind unto us, hasn't he? He's been so good unto us. We know what we deserve. We deserve eternal damnation. But we're thankful for his mercy, for his grace, and his kindness, and his love toward us, aren't we? Because for by grace are ye saved through faith. And that, what does it say? And that not of yourselves, it is what? It is the gift of God. It's the free gift of God that is given to all of his children. Remember in verse, uh, chapter 1 of Matthew. And he shall what? He shall save his people from their sins. He's not going to save every single individual in this world from their sins. He is going to save his people from their sins. So we're saved 
through faith. Faith in what? Faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Look at what it says, not of works. Remember, we were just talking in, in, in Romans about works and grace. It's not works. Because here Paul very plainly says it's not of works that you're saved, lest any man should boast. So God surely knew what he was doing when he, he had Paul write these words. Because he knew what's in the heart of man, that they would want to boast all the time. All the time, every time. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So Paul says, let us therefore come boldly. That word boldly means confidently. Let us therefore come confidently unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Isn't it awesome when we realize that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens? And Paul, so that lest anybody not exactly know who he was talking about, he says that Jesus, the Son of God, he's our high priest that has passed into the heavens. Let us hold fast. Let us hold firmly to our profession and what we believe in. See, we have, we have to hold fast onto these things. The doctrines of grace, that unconditional love of God that is there for us. For we don't have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He can be touched, Bill, because he lived it. He lived as a human being upon this earth. He was God incarnate in the flesh. He was without sin. But he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He went through a lot of things in his life. So because of the things that he did, we can come confidently unto that throne of grace. Go to him in prayer. Go to that throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy. Remember 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. Grace, mercy, and peace. That we may obtain mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. So one of the things we have to realize is that we're going to have times of need in our life, aren't we? We're going to have times that we need Jesus. We're going to have times that we need to come under that throne of grace. And find mercy. You know, John Warburton read The Mercies of a Covenant God. If you haven't read it, you should read it. If you've read it, read it again. The Mercies of a Covenant God. Confidently. We have that confidence through who? It's not through Dave. It's not through Leroy. It's not through Roger. We have what? Confidence through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That we can come under that throne and that mercy. 
So we're going we're gonna to look at the, at the word uh, peace now. Now, I've only touched the surface. I mean, I, I could have probably read 10 more spots in the Bible where it talks about grit, but probably more than that. There's a lot of times that it's grace. Well, we're going to look at peace. Look at uh, John. John chapter 14. We're going to read verses 26 and 27. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Remember, this is Jesus speaking. Whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace. I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So he's telling us not to worry about these things. The comforter, Paul says, it's the, or John, Jesus says, it's the Holy Ghost. The Father's going to send in my name after he, after he is crucified Dead, he's dead, buried, and risen to be on the right hand of the Father. The Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, I know he was talking to the apostles there, but he's talking to us too, isn't he, through his word. If it wasn't important, it wouldn't be written in here, would it? Everything is important in here. Excuse me. From Genesis to Revelation. It's all important. He says, I'm going to bring you that remembrance. He's going to bring you into remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And look what he says. Peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Look at what he says. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. It's not the peace of the world. It's a different thing, the peace of the world and the peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that he gets unto unto us. And then he says, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't be afraid. Remember when he walked out to the the ship that the apostles were in, and he said, "It, It is I. Be not afraid. Don't be afraid. It's me. And in the world today, when he comes and speaks to us in our heart, that it's him. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Because God is for us. Jesus is for us. Remember he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's always there for us all the time, isn't he? It's awesome. And we look as we look at these things. Turn to turn to Romans chapter eight. (coughs) 
We're going to read verses 1 through 9. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things that are flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things that are spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is neither subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I know I read a lot of verses here, but we have to look at that. There's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus if we walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Look at what it says, we're free. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. If the Son has made you free, you are free indeed. We are free indeed. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Look at, look at what it says in verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You know, in this letter to Romans, Paul's bringing out how, you know what, we have to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. It's easy to get caught up in the things of this world, the things of the flesh. It's so easy to get caught up in this in this world and everything that's in the world. But it says that we should walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. Because look at what it says in verse 5. It tells us, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things that are flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things that are spirit. So if you're walking in the Spirit, then you're living in the Spirit. You're living in with the Holy Ghost, which is the comforter that was given unto us. You know, Jesus Christ is sitting on the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. He needed somebody in this world to be there for us, and that's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Look at what it says. For to be carnally minded or after the things of the flesh is death. It's death. It's a spiritual death, and it'll eventually be a physical death. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So if you're spiritually minded, you've been given spiritual life, haven't you? And you're at peace. We're at peace. That peace of God that passes all understanding keeps our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. 
Look at what it says, because the carnal mind is enmity or opposite of God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed shall can be. So in verse 8, it's, it's, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you cannot please God, you're not going to have that peace of God. You're not going to have that love of God. You're not going to have that grace of God. But you, but ye, I'm sorry, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of God, he is none of his. It's a pretty forthright statement, isn't it? If you don't have the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit is not residing in you, you are none of his. And if you're not his, as I said, you can't have that grace of God. You can't have that mercy of God. You can't have that peace of God. You cannot have any of those things if you're not one of his children. You know, it's, it's very forthright, isn't it? Turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to start reading it at verse 13, going all the way to the end. But now in Christ Jesus, you sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain, one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy in the temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So he's broken down that middle wall of partition. There's no more Jew and Gentile. Been made nigh by the blood of Christ. Look at what it says. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition, having abolished in his flesh, he's done away with it, taken away the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. There's no more Jew, there's no more Gentile. We're all one in him that he might reconcile both unto God in one body, having slain in the enmity, therefore, or thereby. And came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. Look at verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And we're all built upon that foundation, aren't we? That foundation, Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of that building. 
in whom all the building fitly framed together. He's talking about the church. The church growth unto an holy temple in the Lord. And we are together with him. We are also built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Isn't he so good unto us? He is so good. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 7 through 9. I kind of alluded to this. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue... And if there be any praise, think on these things. The, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So it's that peace of God. It, it, just, it passes all understanding. It's just, it's just amazing when we think of that peace of God. It passes all understanding. And keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And he goes on all these things. Whatsoever thing is true, this and that. He goes through all these things. Think on these things. And in verse 9, he, Paul writes, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. It's a promise. The peace, the God of peace shall be with you. So he's going to be with you all throughout our lives. He's going to watch over us. Isn't it awesome when he takes care of us and watches over us and protects us and, and keeps us in these things? Remember, it's that, that peace of God. It's that grace. You know, when we look and see, grace be to you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. We must believe that what? That he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Verse 7, chapter 2. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I covered your prayers. I continue to study this out. Remember, chapters 1 through 3 are doctrinal. We're dealing with a lot of doctrinal issues. The doctrines of grace and that peace of God that passes all understanding. And hopefully we'll be able to, to get a, a better understanding of this and just see how much God loved us and sent His Son into the world to be our Savior. I thank you for your kind attention this morning.